I'm Audrey Cooper, the editor-in-chief of the San Francisco Chronicle. And today on Fifth and Mission, the latest with the scandal that has rocked City Hall. But first, there is still time to let us know what you think about our podcast at The Chronicle. Go to sfchronicle.com slash podcast survey. If you complete it, we'll enter you into a chance to win one of five $100 gift cards. But mostly you'll be helping us develop podcasts that you actually want to hear. Perhaps ones like the one we have today. Dominic Fricasa is joining me. He's just completed an interview with San Francisco Mayor London Breed. Mayor Breed dropped a bombshell on San Francisco on the Friday before the long President's Day weekend. In a long written piece posted on the internet, she disclosed that she had taken a nearly $6,000 gift from Mohammed Nuru, the former public works chief at the center of an FBI corruption investigation. She also confirmed that she had dated Nuru decades ago, long before either of them was in a position of significant power. So, Dom, you just spoke with the mayor. What did she say about what she posted on Friday? She's still playing things very close to the vest. Um, I think the main takeaway is that, you know, represents kind of the main corpus of what I have to say about this issue. And that, you know, message, I think it's very um, I think it's very it's not much of a stretch to say that that was very carefully worded with her staff and with her attorneys to sort of convey a very specific message. But today, what she told me was that it was almost a tone of contrition in a sense, and not not for what happened, but just in in sort of forgetting last year when she allowed Mohammed Nuru to pay for her car repairs and pay for a rental car to the tune of nearly six grand, as you said, that she forgot for a second that you can never not be the mayor of San Francisco. You can never turn off being the mayor. What she has said again and again is that all of this is predicated, all of this sort of nonsense with the car is predicated on their long-term personal friendship. They have been friends and briefly romantically, you know, inclined uh, 20 years ago. They've, They've been friends for decades. And that is a huge part of why she said, I didn't think that this was going to be a problem because we're friends and, you know, friends do stuff for each other. And I don't think I really have to report this because of how state ethics rules, and we can get into that later. But there was, there's still a question, and she did not answer this today at a, at a, in a direct question about whether she was ever going to uh, report this, uh, whether this would have ever come to light, save for the, the you know, federal investigation and federal charges against Mohammed Nuru. Yeah, I, I, I think it's pretty clear. We know, being in the news biz, that you drop things that you don't want to get a big splash on the Friday before a long weekend. It was a very carefully penned piece. Why don't you go into some detail about what exactly it was that she accepted from Muhammad Nuru? Yeah. So today what she said is she basically wanted to get rid of this jalopy car that is 18 years old and has not run right in a long time. And it's more of just a headache. She said that she has to move it for street sweeping every so often. So she wants really nothing to do with this car. She wouldn't go into details, though, about anything about why she had Muhammad fix it. But they're they're friends. Right. And she said, I'm having car trouble. And he takes this car to a mechanic shop, pays for whatever repairs were done to the car. And yet the car still doesn't run right. This is all, you know, verbatim almost from her medium post. We should also point out here that the it's not like the mayor's driving around San Francisco in her own old car. She has drivers and and security that 
take her around. Will pick her up and drop her off. And and that is literally what their job is to do so. Um, these are some of the same security folks who like begged Ed Lee to like take the car more often. So you're allowed to drive yourself around. But I think the security detail often encourages it. So anyway, that's exactly right, though. There is no need. The, the mayor not having a car, the mayor of San Francisco not having a car at any given moment is not really an obstacle. Right. That's not a real thing. So this this car uh, uh, gets repaired and Muhammad Nuru pays for the repairs. The car still doesn't run correctly. And so Muhammad Nuru pays for London Breed to have a rental car so that she can continue ostensibly to get around in the city. This all happened last year in 2019, well after uh, she was mayor. It's, this is, didn't happen a long time ago. This isn't a disclosure from way back. This is something that happened last year. So why is this problematic? Well, of course, the first thing you think of, of all of these charges that are coming around, uh, coming out and all of the allegations that have surfaced regarding Mohammed Nuru and, you know, alleged self-dealing and alleged attempts to, you know, help uh, uh, San Francisco restaurateur Nick Bovis uh, um, steer contracts to him and all of this stuff that you can read about that we've been chronicling very closely. It's really the crux of what the mayor is telling us is that Mohammed Nuru is my friend. The car fix it, the car repairs the rental. This is all predicated on our long-term relationship. And and I didn't think that I needed to say anything about it because this was what we do as friends. She actually says in the post that the car isn't even worth the value of the repairs. Exactly right. Exactly right. We don't know how much the repairs were versus the rental car, but whatever it is, she said, you know, she was planning on selling the car and basically paying Mohammed Nuru back. Was even, her plan. even though the value of the car probably was not worth the actual repair cost. So that, presumably, maybe not pay back the, the full amount. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The, the thing that I think is, is interesting about this and that I, I know I've received a lot of questions about is uh, the, the mayor, bef- before she was mayor, she was a supervisor. She's making about $120,000 a year as supervisor. As soon as she's elected mayor, she gets a bump to $300,000 plus. Um, it seems sort of incredible that with more than doubling your salary, you wouldn't be able to pay for a car repair. It doesn't make any common sense. Um, I couldn't get the mayor to get into those details. Um, today, she, um, as I said, is, is still playing this matter very close to the vest as she sort of has to contemplate what sort of, um, you know, administrative penalties or even charges could come out of it. So I think she and her legal counsel have decided, you know, not to say very much, which is kind of what you would expect. But it doesn't stand to reason why, A, the mayor, a, a mayor would have her public works director essentially run an errand for her. Or B, why she couldn't afford to have this paid for herself. It just, it doesn't make any sense. And that's something that I think, as you said, a lot of people in the city are trying to wrap their heads around. And it's not, it, that wasn't made more clear today, unfortunately. So so you mentioned that um, she doesn't feel like under state law, she had to tell anyone that she accepted this gift. So why did she? Well, I can I can only tell you what she said to that regard, and that is she did this in an interest, and this is a terrible metaphor, but to sort of open the hood on this whole situation. That is a terrible metaphor. Ah, You're right. I've been <laughs> stewing on it all day, so I had to. Good I had job. to. Thank you. She, state law says you don't have to disclose this if a gift comes from a close personal friend, right? And we've talked about that. But she said, I had to do this because I want to encourage all of my employees in City Hall to be forthcoming and to be cooperative. And I needed to set a good example for them in coming clean about this. Now, of course, being cynical reporters, you think like, well, I wonder if that's really the case. Or I wonder if as the FBI continues its investigation, as our city attorney continues 
his office's investigation into everything that, that's sort of surrounded Mohammed Nuru over the last couple of years and any evidence of malfeasance. You said, well, what was going to come to light uh, as a result of those investigations? Is she trying to get ahead of something here that's going to look worse if it gets uncovered later on? San Francisco also has its own set of ethics rules for government employees, and they're in some ways even more stringent than what is prescribed at the state level. Specifically, San Francisco says you cannot accept a gift from your subordinate um, above $25. It can't be in cash, and it's got to be during a birthday or a holiday. There is no reason, there is no practical reason apart from those like very limited circumstances where people tend to exchange gifts of minor value where a boss can accept a gift from their employee. It's just a it's just a fact. So I don't know what that uh, I don't know what her argument is for that. And she's not saying she isn't saying that I was going to disclose this on an annual form that all government employees have to submit that says, did you receive any gifts last year? If so, how much was it and what was it for? You have to disclose that every year and you have to take training that says, you know how to disclose these things. These, These are incontrovertible and the paperwork is all there in black and white. And she has not said today, I don't think I, I don't know whether I had to disclose that or not. So there is just a lot of, of confusion still about whether or not there is full transparency here, despite her best attempts. It seems like it would be a slippery slope argument to say, well, if we're very good friends with our subordinates, then then it wouldn't count. It doesn't it doesn't make much sense to me. And it doesn't make much sense to people who have a better sort of read of, you know, California fair political practice laws uh, than I do. Um, it, it really is seeming like that is going to be her argument, whether that's, you know, in court or before the ethics commission. I mean, that that is that is what she has said again and again. And I have checked with her staff on this that I understand her meaning. If it comes from a longtime personal friend. I don't have to disclose it. And I I completely agree. I don't know what kind of precedent that would set. Like, as long as we've been friends for a really long time, I don't have to talk about this. Like, that that seems like the opposite of disclosure and transparency. It seems like it it neuters the whole idea of it, really. The city attorney has been pretty mum about whether this is a violation of any ethics policies as well. So I spoke to um, uh, Supervisor Hillary Ronan today as well. Um, She came out hard on Friday. And she said that the mayor should resign, should step down. I don't believe the mayor has any plans to do that anytime soon. But what uh, Supervisor Ronan said today was that she only said that after conferring with the city attorney's office. She asked the city attorney's office if she understood the law around accepting gifts from subordinates. And once, according to Supervisor Ronan, she received assurances that her read of the law was correct is what made her, you know, say to me, you know, I'm calling for the mayor to resign, that this is a violation of the law. Now, it's not, this isn't, I know for Supervisor Ronan, it's not just about $5,600, right? It's not just about this petty seeming stuff, for example. This is emblematic of what people inside and outside of City Hall have complained about for a long time, which is a culture of coziness, which is not not as thorny of like language as I think is appropriate, but it is this culture that that rewards personal loyalties, especially over long periods of time. And it rewards them, people believe, and we are seeing this, it rewards them by looking the other way when malfeasance is occurring, when falling down on the job is occurring, and maybe sometimes when outright corruption is occurring. Because you've done right by me, and we're going we're gonna to look after each other. And that has been, I think, incredibly corrosive in San Francisco and has made people lose a lot of faith in, in government and leads people to believe, and it's hard to tell them otherwise right now, that there is just this omnipresent sense of corruption in City Hall, that people know, they know, they know each other, they know the right people to call. And, uh, you know, so long as people kind of 
make out at the end, make out at the end, and stay friends. And, and and so long as this sort of culture is preserved, you know, and the and the right people know each other and stay in power, then everything will be okay. And I think what Supervisor Ronan has said is like this is emblematic of that, and we're going to, you know, we're going to use this against the mayor or whatever. What that looks like now, we don't know, but. I think what you're talking about is cronyism and, yeah, and, exactly. and and the belief that that is still very pervasive in, in City Hall, even if you elect somebody who claims to be a relative outsider to the power establishment. I, I do think it's fair to point out that critics of Supervisor Ronan's will point out that she also voted for Mark Farrell to be interim mayor after the death of Ed Lee. Uh, when when Mayor now Mayor Breed was right. serving as a, a part part time mayor, that it gets very confusing how many mayors there were during that period of <laughs> there time. Were a lot. But Mark Farrell himself had ethics violations against him. So I think a, uh, there are people on the other side that would say Hillary Ronan's being a little bit hypocritical there. And they have made no uh, uh, secret of that of their sort of contempt for uh, Supervisor Ronan's remarks. A lot of the support supporters of London Breed had said, you know, how dare you say that this mayor is corrupt when you supported and kicked London Breed out of the mayor's seat in 2018. Uh, in order to install Mark Farrell, who has, I mean, I think to date, one of the biggest ethics fines in San Francisco, you know, related to, I believe, um, campaign spending, you know, campaign back, back spending. Su- super, during a supervisorial run. I mean, I think it was well over $100,000. I mean, maybe even nearing 200000 So, yeah, that that is certainly has uh, sort of um, engendered a question of uh, whether people in glass houses should be throwing stones. But, you know, I think the mayor's opponents, and she hinted at this in her post on Friday, that she knows that this is going to be used against her. And I really do think that she is bracing um, bracing for whatever fallout might come, whether that's an administrative penalty. She could face over $16,000 in fines if the City Ethics Commission says, you know, this is what happened and we believe there was a, a violation of the law. Chesa Boudin released a statement that I don't fully understand on Friday, our new district attorney, saying he would investigate any sort of uh, alleged wrongdoing. He didn't say he was investigating, just that he's sort of open to the idea. So I'm still working to get a hold of his staff and try to understand that a little bit better. But um, I think they are the mayor is in defensive mode right now. I'm speaking with City Hall reporter Dominic Fercasa about the latest in the investigation into Muhammad Nuru and what Mayor Breed said on Friday. We'll be right back after this. So, Dom, one of the things that, that you pointed out is uh, it, it's one problem to take money or gifts of cash, essentially, from a subordinate. But it also seems like even if you th- even if you believe the mayor and say, well, maybe she didn't realize that this was not appropriate and may- maybe she has financial problems that we're not aware of and that's not any of our business, it still was a very cozy relationship with arguably one of the most high-profile city departments, one that has been widely criticized in the city for the state of trash on the streets, the filthiness of our sidewalks, not completing street repairs on time, you, you name it, and it seems to fall under public works. Was it appropriate for him to even be one of her subordinates if, if they have that cozy of, re, of a relationship. Yeah, I think that that is something that every, a lot of people are asking themselves right now, like, why was he elevated to this place in, in, in the first place? I mean, to be to be fair, I suppose, Mohammed Nuru was selected as public works director by you know former mayor Ed Lee. I mean, he was elevated then. But I do have to go back to this notion of the the culture of cronyism, or at least the the perception of it, right? The notion that someone, Muhammad Nuru was somebody who ingratiated himself with powerful people. He was a protege of former mayor Willie Brown. 
He, you know, uh, there were there were allegations that he was sort of, you know, using his muscle as uh, the head of a gardening nonprofit to like force people to vote for Gavin Newsom. He was a go-to guy for then Mayor Ed Lee, and he's been a 20-year friend of London Breed. I mean, this is somebody who has sought and successfully. Uh, uh, successfully sought to ingratiate himself with the most powerful people in the city. And that's supervisors too. Supervisors had good relationships with Muhammad because they thought this is a guy that can get things done. So I think there was uh, there was a very sort of deliberate and long-term seeding of Muhammad Nuru's impression among people. In other words, he took great care to ensure that he was a go-to guy for the right people. And look, the state of the city streets, did that suffer because... He was friends with the mayors, with several mayors who said, yeah, he'll, he'll get to it. He'll get on it. Who looked the other way while, while things didn't go as they should be, while services, you know, fell to these terrible conditions. And now San Francisco is the, you know, the butt of jokes and, you know, segments on Fox News ridiculing us for days on end. I mean, you have to wonder why that happened. And if, depending on who you ask, they're going to say this is because Muhammad Nuru was a product of the system that has been in power for years. And, um, you know, it wasn't until we had wiretaps and undercover officers from the FBI that that really sort of brought it all to light and brought charges and, and stitched a lot of things together. So what does this have to do with the FBI investigation? Are they related or, you know, I, I think there's a we have a responsibility to point out the FBI has not said the mayor is under investigation. They've not alleged any wrongdoing on her behalf. Um but it does seem like, you know, you pull one string and the string keeps unraveling and unraveling. The closeness and the coziness makes it inevitable that we would have to ask these questions. You know what I mean? Like they're they're they've been friends for 20 years and all of a sudden Muhammad Nuru is is allegedly, uh, um, you know, somebody who's committed fraud and, and is accused of government corruption. Y- your mind automatically goes to who he's working with and who else he knows. I mean, that that you are exactly right, though. The FBI has said only that their investigation is ongoing. They don't they haven't said and won't say, you know, who else they're looking at and how far and how deep it might go. Same with the city attorney's office for that for that matter. But Again, I I just keep coming back to the sort of cloistered world of San Francisco politics. I mean, no, what the mayor did, I think, is attempt to get ahead of the message. Whatever came out, whatever comes out as a result of the internal or FBI investigation, I think she wanted to get ahead of it and and say, look, here's everything I've got to say right now about this. You're going to see this eventually, probably. And I want to I want to make sure that I'm controlling the message. I mean, it's it's again, you have to get back to the, the the deliberateness with which that message was composed. She didn't go to the press. The press is going to be inherently selective of what we you know amplify and and understand is important and want to share with the public. But she said, I have to get this top to bottom. I have to say everything because I'm I'm concerned about potential ethics violations. I think that is implicit in the way that this was all handled. So what's the worst case scenario for her if this gift actually did uh, violate the letter of the law? Yeah, that's uh, that's a very good question. I think if you look at the Ethics Commission, which is the sort of watchdog organization for um, you know San Francisco government and ethics codes, that uh, uh, that process works like this. It's entirely complaint driven. So someone has to file a complaint to the Ethics Commission saying, I think this was a violation of the law and I think you should look into it. Um, I don't think there's any shortage of those people in San Francisco. So Probably I, not. not at the moment. So I think we can rest assured that somebody is going to do that if they haven't already. 
Then uh, the process goes like this. They do a preliminary investigation. They decide whether to do a full investigation. And then if they move forward, then they conduct that investigation and determine what, if any, laws were violated. In this particular case, um, there are you know what's called treble or triple damages um, that could go uh, three times the amount of the sort of alleged gift, right? So not alleged gift, the, the $5,600 gift. So that comes out to you know $16,800 that the mayor could be on the hook for. And I don't, I don't think that's an unlikely scenario. I think, I think it's when they're, they're bracing for. If we're talking about the universe of things that we understand right now, I struggle to understand how it could rise to the level of criminal charges necessarily. But again, we don't know everything that the FBI knows right now and whether, they, whether or not they're looking at the mayor and other people in city government. So if we get to the criminal stage, obviously things get much hairier very quickly. But I think right now what we're looking at is probably an administrative fine, maybe a hefty one. And that's not a good look for a sitting mayor who is like a month into her first like full term in office. Um, but I think I think that is the sort of likely way that this plays out right now. But, you, you know, you you point out she's only a month into this term. She has four years as mayor left, uh, whether or not people are going to remember Three years from now, when the campaign starts to heat up, whether this happened, that that seems like uh, it's a pretty good bet to take early in your uh, tenure as opposed to at the end. Looking out that far, I think so. I I think that's right. I mean, I I think it's better than if it happens right before you announce your reelection campaign three years from now. But I don't think that this is going to go away anytime soon. And I think this will end up being a sort of, you know, uh, a mark on the mayor's record, if you will, that. Whoever ends up running against her, whether that's, you know, a lot of people have thrown out Supervisor Matt Haney as a possible contender a couple of years from now. I think that this will get brought up. And I think people are they are sick of the cronyism. They're sick of the perception of cronyism. They're sick of the familiar names and people, you know, uh, uh, who are doing things and never seem to get any punishment for it. Like, I can't tell you how many like tips I get from disgruntled employees and people. Like, we're running a lot of leads down right now. And there is a there is a deep sense of resentment against what has what people feel is like this metastasized culture of cronyism in San Francisco. And whether or not this represents a real crack in the in the armor that we're seeing, um, that that's that's yet to be seen. You know, the, 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 these investigations are going to take a long time and they're going to be complicated. And these sort of like weird schemes and deals are never very straightforward, you know, but um, but I think that's I think I think the amount of attention that this is getting is representative of, of people's sort of fed upness with uh, with the machine, as it were. If people want to send you more tips to oh, chase down, how should they do that? I would love that. Um, my email address is on every single story, but just in case, um, my annoyingly long name, my email address is D, like Dominic, F-R-A-C-A-S-S-A at sfchronicle.com. Great. Thanks, Dom. Thanks, Audrey. I'd like to thank Dom Fercasa for being with me today. Don't forget, you can still take our podcast survey at sfchronicle.com slash podcast survey. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. Fifth Emission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 